Beloved, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Now, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the very cornerstone in your Bible, the very cornerstone of our Christian faith. As Evgeny prayed, if there's no resurrection, there is no Christianity. Without it, we waste our time in fanciful thinking, completely divorced from reality. The resurrection of Jesus has such enormous historical attestation. In addition, it also has a handful of theories designed to explain it away. Each and every one of them being quite weak and flimsy in my, whole, in my humble opinion. So many scholars over the years have sought out to disprove the resurrection of Christ and then became believers in Jesus Christ. It should come as no surprise this morning that the theme of our sermon is indeed the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So allow me to start a couple thousand years ago in the time of Jesus. Inside the, the temple, there was this blunt statement etched in stone. It was placed right outside the inner sanctuary of the temple. Which was reserved only for Jews who were prepared to worship. It was written both in Latin and in Greek and it said this. No stranger is to enter. Whoever is caught will be himself responsible for his ensuing death. Welcome to the temple. The Jewish historian Josephus noted that similar notices were posted throughout that area on the stone pillars. As one theologian noted, the message was clear and it was etched in stone. You are not free to enter the holy place and meet with God. Try it and you will die. So serious was that potential infraction for a Gentile to come into that sacred and holy place. It was a, a consistent reminder and declaration that God is holy and not to be trifled with. Now, these stone notices were in place in Jesus' time, within a generation of his resurrection, they would be rendered completely mute and irrelevant. We cannot say enough about the resurrection. We can never fully, how can we fully capture all the implications of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. If you are visiting for the first time, we welcome you. 
And we are speaking of the suffering, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is absolutely crucial for us to be reconciled to God, to receive eternal life, to be forgiven of our sins. It is, as Jesus said, the only way. The death of Jesus shows God's boundless and unconditional love for us. The pain associated with the crucifixion in Roman times, it has its own word. In English, excruciating from the crucifixion. The pain that is the worst that is associated with Dying on a cross. At the cross we see true propitiation for the first time. God's righteous and holy wrath on sin. Completely satisfied. God's holiness and justice are entirely upheld. And love and mercy and kindness and chesed are fully And so beautifully extended. In the most exquisite and staggering way. The resurrection is God's stamp of approval upon Jesus' death. In which he is declared with power to be the son of God. When Jesus uttered the words. Tetelestai. It is is finished we are assured by the resurrection that that is indeed the case his sacrifice was fully accepted and meritorious on our behalf as we put our faith in jesus as our savior and lord it speaks a better word than all of our failures all of our shortcomings all of our fears. When Colossians say, says that Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. My friends, hear me this morning. Those are the most assuring words you will see in the New Testament. Why? The gospel is wrapped up in this one stupendous truth. Christ died for me. Christ is risen and because he is risen from the dead so will i so will i my hope is beyond the grave because i am united with christ i am one with him he did it all i have simply come to him in humble repentant faith and put my trust and confidence in him as my savior It was so nice to have Colin's family with us last week. This morning, Ofomu, his wife, sent us her greetings and her love this Resurrection Sunday morning. But this is the hope of the resurrection. As we stood at his grave last week through tears, we knew that this was not the end. That one day he would be summoned from the grave. To meet his savior in the air. One day. 
One day, because of the resurrection, we will stand with him in glory. Free from temptation. Free from tribulation. Free from trial and sorrows. The word on my mind this week has been bold. Let us be bold in light of the resurrection. The resurrection in itself is a bold move. Because death, the last enemy, was defeated. Plain and simple. It was a bold meeting of God's holiness and divine justice at Calvary and God's mercy and his love and his kindness towards people. When you read the history of the earliest Christians, one word describes them very well in the book of Acts. Bold. They had a loose grip on their possessions. They shared everything with each other. They didn't care. They're just passing through. They cared for one another well. They were constantly living in community, rubbing shoulders with one another. They suffered loss for Christ. Many suffered great persecution for their allegiance to King Jesus. And they died singing hymns. The church was birthed and grew exponentially through the preaching of the word. The word of God. It is the very first Christian sermon preached of all people by Peter. The one who denied Christ. Peter on that day at Pentecost was fundamentally different. He was changed by the resurrection. He was transformed. He was now filled with the spirit of God. He was a bold man where he once was weak and fearful. And an emotional roller coaster and one who denied knowing Christ. I invite you to turn to Acts chapter 2. We're going to look at various verses this morning in the book of Acts primarily. Acts chapter 2. This is the first Christian sermon that we have recorded. Just want to point you to verse 22. This is Peter. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know. This Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed By the hands of lawless men. Ah, But God raised him up. Loosing the pangs of death. Because it was impossible. For him to be held by it. 
Peter took his stand in front of thousands of people and boldly proclaimed the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He took the Jews to the word of God, to their own scriptures. He spoke persuasively of the resurrection from the Old Testament. And he held them accountable for sin. So much so at the end of the sermon, they were piercingly convicted. What must we do? Was their response. This demonstration of boldness was not just in the moment as if Peter was on an emotional high. You see, an emotional high will carry you in the moment, but never for the long haul. This holy boldness would characterize Peter and the apostles and the early Christians. Anchoring their hope in the testimony of God's word. Anchoring their hope in the eyewitness testimonies of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now notice this interaction just a little bit later, chapter 4. Peter just told a crowd that Jesus is the only path to God. That there is salvation in none other. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. This unpopular opinion or truth was just as unpopular then as it is now. Verse 12, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, verse 13. It's pretty funny, actually. Now, when they saw the boldness Of Peter and John. They perceived that they were uneducated. Common men. They were astonished. And they recognized. That they had been. With Jesus. They didn't know what to say. They're uneducated. We're the knowledgeable ones. They're just common dudes. I mean, they're fishermen from Galilee. What do we do with this? But there was one fact that was not lost on them. They had been with Jesus. They perceived the boldness that comes when you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. Why is this so important? Remember Peter. He was a coward. He ran on adrenaline. We all love him. Because we can identify with him almost at every turn. He didn't follow through with his lofty designs. And as we said before. He denied Christ when it counted the most. Ah, but he was a fundamentally different man now because of the resurrection of Christ. He was a spirit-filled apostle who feared God more than he feared death. Friends, it is this spirit of boldness that I commend to you this morning. 
in the light of the resurrection, in the light of an empty tomb. Let us live boldly and courageously in the shadow of the resurrection. I am not asking you to try better tomorrow or to be a better version of you. The world does not need a better version of Colin. The world needs Christians who are being renewed in their minds in the image of Christ. My friends, you are a new creation in Christ as a believer in him. Death does not have the final say, nor does guilt, and nor does shame. Your new words are alive and victory. Let us love one another fiercely in word and in deed. Let us stand upon the truth of God's unchanging word. Let us live by conviction of said truth and live in light of eternity. Let us live boldly, knowing that we are unconditionally loved by God himself and completely forgiven of all of our sins, past, present, and future. Remember, when Christ died and rose again, every last one of your sins were future. So by way of direct instruction this morning, I'd like to give you three very specific ways for us to be bold as Christ followers. Bold as we follow the Lord, as we serve him, as we love one another. So let us begin with our very relationship with God himself. Be bold in your walk with the Lord. Be bold in your relationship with him. God is no less holy than he was in the Old Testament. Through his suffering and death, Jesus has completely absorbed the wrath of God on your sin. There is none left over. You are free and forgiven. God is not angry with you when you mess up. He is not ready to strike you down. You do not need to spend your days as a Christian seeking his acceptance and approval. You are so beautifully accepted in the beloved in Christ. Jesus did that for you. And you are in Christ. The words used for believers approaching God since the resurrection is not a scary sign that is etched in stone. Be careful, don't mess up. But this enduring truth in Jesus, it's Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us then, with confidence or boldness, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace. The very throne of God is said to be a throne of grace. That we may find mercy and help in our time of need. It tells me that number one, we have times of need. 
And it tells me that the throne of God is a throne of grace, ready to dispense mercy and help when we need it the most. My fellow believers, this is where it all begins. This is where the rubber meets the road. Look at the flow in the New Testament. It is not about introducing some or chasing some fanciful truths that are new in your generation. But rooting us and grounding us in the unchanging and beautiful truth of the gospel. The apostolic prayers in the New Testament take us back to the basics. Back to the wonderful gospel promises and the power of the resurrection in our lives. And friends, that is all that we need. It is enough. What did Paul tell us, Romans 12, to be renewed in our minds? Because that is where the battleground is. Take God's revealed truth and set your minds upon it. Believe it. Remind yourself of it. And speak it to one another. That by his grace we may learn to trust him more deeply. That we would see the faithfulness of God even in the fallen world in which we live. My friend, if I am not convinced of God's love for me, I am not living in the power of the resurrection. Let me say that again. If we are not convinced of God's unconditional love for us, we are not living in the fullness of the power of the resurrection in our life. If we're not setting our minds on God's truth, we will inevitably become more weak, more worried, more anxious than we already are. This morning, perhaps you had a similar experience. I was scraping my windshield. And I noticed as I scraped it, it was just a really thin layer of frost that came out. In fact, there was a part where the sun had already hit and it was gone. And I thought to myself, what a beautiful illustration of the resurrection in our lives. In no way whatsoever am I belittling the pain and the sorrow and the grief and the trials that we face as believers. But friends, I'm here to tell you Christ has already risen from the dead. Your life and all of its sorrows, all of its troubles, all of the sighs, it's fleeting. It's passing. And God is good. God is faithful. He will never let us go. This is the truth of the gospel that we come boldly to God himself right into his presence. Because Jesus has risen from the dead. Now let's talk for a moment about this, this book right here. There are two truths about God's word that are true in every single generation, bar none. Number one, people will challenge the word of God. And they will hastily cut out the parts that they don't like. 
Depending on when you live or where you live, that might be large chunks of the Bible. Truth number two. Regardless of what people think about the Bible, it is still true, regardless of your opinion. And more importantly, it is to be obeyed. My second admonition to you this morning is this. In light of the resurrection, I encourage and I plead with you to be bold with the word of God. My pastor always told us that God did not write his word with a number two pencil. So we could come behind him in each generation and flip the pencil over and erase the parts that we had come to realize aren't actually true. God is not the author of confusion. He means what he says and he says what he means. And our job is to, uh, to correctly apply the truth of God's word to every area of our life and to obey it. Now saints, are our sins forgiven? The answer is yes. So let's live like it. Let's believe what God has to say. Let us walk in freedom because Galatians says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Has God spoken regarding our daily conduct, regarding our personal ethics in every area of our life? He has. So let us conform our thoughts and our practices to the straight edge of God's word. To live accordingly to the truth of God and not just how we feel in a given moment. Does God care about the poor, about the refugee, about the downcast? The answer a thousand times over all throughout the Old Testament and new is yes. So we should as well. Listen to Paul's ministry with the word. This is Acts chapter 19, verse 8. And he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. I love this. What was he doing exactly? Well, Paul was unscrolling for them the Hebrew scriptures, their Bible, and speaking persuasively about the kingdom of God, about the suffering of Christ, about the resurrection of Christ, and that Christ was indeed Jesus. Imagine the kickback that he would receive when doing this amongst the Jews. In a synagogue, your Messiah has come and he has suffered for your sins and also for the Gentiles and he is risen again. The key here is that it was Paul's practice, particularly in these circumstances, to appeal directly to scripture just as Peter did at Pentecost. My friend, be bold. In your study of God's word. 
Saturate your mind with God's truth. Reflect upon the truth of God's word. And in its application in all areas of life. Believe what God says. You will know the truth. Jesus said. About his word. You will know the truth. And the truth. Will set you free. It breathes life. And liberty. Act on it. Obey it. Form your convictions around it. Be bold with the word. It is living and active. I say this many times. In every generation. Culture will form and promote. It's given ideologies. And and philosophical frame of reference. Let the word of God. Be your foundation. Your straight edge. Let it form your convictions. And your world view. And may you ever live and serve God within the shadow of the cross and in the hope of his resurrection. Finally, on this Resurrection Sunday, resolve and determine to be bold in your personal testimony. This is not a time for us to be quiet. It is not a time for us to shrink back or to be afraid of how people will respond. Now, this is somewhat tied together with what I just said, but perhaps with, from a little bit of a different perspective. If you're still in the book of Acts, turn back to chapter 4. This was the most remarkable prayer meeting. Acts chapter 4, verse 31, says this. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Saints, do you see how it's all tied together? Prayer, the word, testimony. They boldly came to the Lord in prayer in the face of much difficulty. And through that, they were empowered by the Spirit to proclaim the Word of God first, boldly, to one another. To encourage one another. To build one another up with the Word of God. And of course, they proclaimed the Word of God boldly to the dying world around them. Do you see the spirit of boldness? These disciples, they turned the world upside down. They refused to buy into or believe the lie of their age. And they founded their life squarely upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. May we be filled with the spirit as they were. And may we boldly proclaim the truth to one another and to those we come in contact to every single day. Christ is risen. Let us be bold in our testimony. Let us be bold in our walk with Christ. 
Let us be bold as we engage the word of God. And let us be bold in our testimony to those around us. Would you bow and prepare your hearts for prayer this morning? I often say that every day for the Christian is resurrection day. I also say that it is good to remind ourselves of the simplicity and the beauty and the power of the gospel. The incarnation of Christ, his coming, his suffering, his death, burial, and resurrection. My friends, may you find boldness this morning as you remember and ponder and reflect upon the victory of Christ. If you have never placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, I'm happy to tell you this morning that it actually involves none of your good efforts or good works. Christ did it all. Turn in repentance to the Lord Jesus Christ. Put your faith and your confidence in him and in him alone. Believing that he died in your place, was buried and rose again. Jesus said, when you believe in me, you pass from death to life. Most gracious heavenly father, we once again thank you and praise you for this day. For all that it represents. For the historical fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. For the fact that he bore our sins. For the fact that yes there was silent Saturday. And oh how often we feel that in our very soul. Feeling that we are broken and yet knowing That the restoration of all things is yet to come. Lord, I pray particularly for the downcast, for the doubting, for the struggling, of which there are many. All the things that we encounter and face in life, I pray this morning that you, in the most beautiful way, would meet them in that broken place. I pray that you would fill us with the hope and the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We give you thanks and praise. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.